When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson tuning in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will and on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined, uh, joined on a nice Tuesday evening here, Michael Megan, Meegs, um, you know, Badlands, Turn on the Jets, uh, Twitter, uh, meme professional himself. Meegs, how are we doing today? I, you know, it's, you know, it's never a dull day in Jetland. I think everyone's just trying to wait till the draft gets here. It seems to be a pivot point for the Rodgers discussion, but, you know, just enjoying the, uh, Overall, just, you know, being a Jets fan, just actually having a quarterback that seems like it's a foregone conclusion is going to be here one way or the other. And just excited to watch Packers Twitter meltdown when the trade package gets announced. Yeah, no, I uh, I do have to tweet out the clip of Brad Spielberger eviscerating Packers Twitter on the podcast from last week. He is a Bears fan. It was quite enjoyable to hear from another point of view. Um, I guess let, let's start with the Rodgers stuff and then we'll get into a little bit of the draft and, um, you know, kind of what's upcoming here in the next couple of weeks. You've been pretty dead set and kind of outspoken on, you know, when when you think this is going to happen, what you think it's going to go for. I guess where's kind of encapsulate your thoughts of what you know what we're dealing with here. Obviously, it's been about three, three and a half weeks since Roger said he wanted to play for the Jets. Um, yeah, like where where are you kind of at with the whole situation? Because obviously there was the the stupid rumor today that the 49ers would be interested. Um, I'd beg people to look at the 49ers. Uh, pick selection this year and cap space uh but yeah i guess where where you at kind of overall and um you picked a fight with packers twitter yet i mean i think it's pretty funny just the entire discourse like this entire thing has come down to the fact that there isn't another serious rogers suitor and if brian Gunkus like you know you know digs his feet in the sand and doesn't get any draft capital in 2023 because he pushes this off that and Jordan Love ends up looking like crap, he's going to get fired. And there's no way that the Packers are going to let the draft go by and not get any immediate capital to help them this year. I've always thought that. That's always why I thought the Jets had the Jets had like a leg up in the negotiations. It's why I never thought 13 was on the table. It's why I don't think both second rounders this year are on the table. Like Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Jets. He's going to be a Jet. My only real question at this point is like, is he going to wear 12? Is he going to wear a different number? But I think when it's all said and done, it's going to happen before the draft because the Packers need it to happen. It's going to be either 42 or 43. I think what Schrager uh, 
set it today, it was like a second this year, a fourth next year. And then if he plays like eight games in 23 and 24, it's like another second round pick or another third round pick in 2025, which I think all Jets fans would sign up for just for the fact that you have that protection about the 2025 pick. And then Aaron Rodgers plays for two years for the Jets is a pretty big win. So I feel pretty comfortable with it all. And just, you know, once it happens, it's more just to unleash all the memes at that point. Yeah, no, I think like what's what's frustrating, I think currently at the moment is people kind of just getting unsettled and turning into, you know, you, you turn on uh, specific networks or uh, specific Twitter profiles and it's all about, you know, who has the leverage and, ooh, this team's in the mix now and this team's, Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers has a quasi-no-trade clause. So he already said he's not going to the 49ers. They have no, again, no draft capital, no money. There's no way he's going to play for Bill Belichick at this point in his career. Uh, amidst what's going on, the talent level there, he's that's just not going to happen. There's there's one suitor and there's one suitor only. Uh, I said it last week: the confidence on Joe Douglas and Robert Sala's face, the confidence, you know, the Jets are operating as if he's already their quarterback based on some of the signings, based on the way they're building this roster, the way they hired their offensive coordinator, the way they've kind of signed guys in free agency that fit this scheme that Aaron they would run with Aaron Rodgers. So. I'm not worried about it. I think the Schrager proposal today was a two and a four this year and then a 2025 two that could become a one if he basically plays two years. Um, I know Charles Robinson reported who's, you know, he's been pretty much all over a lot of these different stories. Um, he basically reported that it'd be a two this year, a two next year. Um, and then the Jets would basically get a pick back in 2025. He retires. So either way, it, you know, I don't see both twos, as you mentioned. I've said it for a million. You know, I still think it's going to be a two, a conditional two, and maybe Corey Davis is in there. Maybe he's not. I just really don't think it, it matters too much. Um, you know, if anything, it's basically a kind of almost a, a cap swap, basically, Rodgers for Corey Davis in terms of what their cap hit is this year. So, you know, maybe that's something the Jets look into. But, yeah, I'm just not – I'm not worried about it in any way, shape, or form. The Packers have to get this done before the draft, and the Jets, you know, have to get this done before training camp. You know, I guess in a perfect world for the Jets and the Packers, they, you know, the Packers will get a 2023 asset and take the dead cap hit. That's the post-June 1 cap hit as opposed to pre-June 1. But at the end of the day, at this point, I think this for both sides, it just needs to get done. In terms of, you know, kind of some of the moves they've made so far, is there any move they've made so far that you like particularly more than another one? Um, obviously, Lazard, Chuck Clark, McCole Hartman, um, a couple, you know, um, you know, interior reserve offensive linemen. There hasn't been too much else yet. Um, they've lost some guys, obviously made some cuts. Is there anything that kind of sticks out to you that you like more than the other things, or are you just focused on the fact that they have one defensive tackle that's playable? Um, you know, like like for defensive tackle, it's like so funny because all Jets fans would do for years was complain about how they had too many defensive tackles, how they over-prioritized defensive tackle, and now it's like the biggest glaring hole in the roster. But, you know, I really just as a combo, like, I mean, Chuck Clark was just like a super, like, cheap move, like, good starter, one-year contract, like, completely fine with that. But I really like how they're starting to build this wide receiver room, and I'll probably, like, lump Lazard and Nicole together, because, like, Lazard, like, some people, like, is he overrated, is he underrated? Like, he clearly has, like, a pretty, like, good skill set for what the Jets need. He's a more durable player than Corey Davis. Like, he obviously has chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, who we know is going to be the quarterback. But um, basically what uh, I really like is that they're basically building the wide receiver room to just be, like, 
Garrett Wilson, go be a star. And then you have a bunch of like role players do like the dirty work to block, to be, you know, they have Nico Hartman to be like the field stretcher to open up stuff underneath. And I think that's really how you're going to get the best version of Garrett Wilson and, you know, how the Jets become like a real Super Bowl contender is like Garrett Wilson flirts with 1600 yards, Brees Hall when he's healthy, you know, like, you know, flirts with a rushing title. And I think they're starting to build the offense to look like that. And I think that's something all Jets fans should be excited for. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page. I think the Clark move, um, I tweeted the other day, I was like, does anyone like this Alan Lazard move? Or are we just like, is it just not talking about it because it's the, oh, they're only getting him because Aaron Rodgers. Like That move made sense whether they got Rodgers or not. I'm not saying he's a wide receiver one. He doesn't really need to be a wide receiver two. That said, he's making 11 million bucks. He's a middle, middle, if not kind of almost lower tier free agent at this point um, in terms of, you know, kind of pay. He's going to be really good in the run game. He can play a big kind of a big slot. He can play outside. He obviously has the familiarity with the heck, the offensive coordinator, with the quarterback. And on top of that, he's a guy that, again, going to do the dirty work that allows, you know, a Garrett Wilson, McCole Hardman, um, a Jackson Smith and Jigba, or a Odell Beckham, or whoever it may be, um, to, you know, kind of be able to do, get, kind of let them, uh, you know, kind of roam free and, and not – get doubled as much and, and do a lot of these different things. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the receiver room. I tweeted out earlier, uh, I believe yesterday. Obviously offensive line, I've tweeted for a while. You've talked about it. Connor's talked about it. Joe's talked about it. You know, offensive tackle 13, center at 42 or 43, totally rebuild the offensive line. You sign Odell and, um, you know, it's all great. You have a good receiving core. Your offensive line is good for now and also in the future. And Everything kind of is set that way. Knowing the NFL draft, obviously, that's that may not be the case. All three of those guys very easily could be gone by then. The Jets may not like all three guys. There's a million different things to tackle. They may feel good at tackle. We don't know in terms of, you know, based on those prospects versus what they had in Beckham, Mitchell, I mean, Beckton, Mitchell, you know, potentially ABT, obviously, and Dwayne Brown. If those three tackles are not there, Am I crazy that Jackson Smith and Jigbo should be the pick if they don't have Odell? This is obviously contingent on Odell hasn't signed yet, and maybe he takes the Giants offer or the Ravens offer or whatever. Is it crazy to go receiver at 13, and then now basically you have probably a top 10 unit in football, top five unit in football year one with two guys on rookie contracts? Is that crazy? Um, I don't think you're crazy. I will preface this with just knowing that we're going to get four quarterbacks go in like – the top 10 picks. Cause you know, you're basically just trying to figure out like who's going to go in those 12 picks ahead of the jets and try to figure out what the positions will be. I'd be surprised if all three offensive tackles went, but if they did go like Jackson Smith and Jigba is one of like, I'd say the seven best players in this draft. Like he's wide receiver one for me. I think he's the only wide receiver who's really like worth like a first round grade. Just listen to anyone talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have both said like he's the best receiver we've played with. They Garrett Wilson said that before the twenty twenty one before the twenty twenty one season, which is when Jack Smith and Jigger really, like really broke out. It was Garrett Wilson's last year at Ohio State, and you know if you're picking at thirteen, like I just think that's an incredible value, just in that regard of just getting like a bona fide like blue chipper in this draft so no you're not crazy it's something they should definitely look into doing um we'll see if he we'll see if jackson smith and jigba gets there because there's a good chance a team takes him before 13 i know a lot of people even talk about speaking about trading up for him but no he's a fantastic player i don't think you could be mad at 
Jets trying to target a player like that. I think actually a Smith and Jigba, Lazard, Garrett Wilson room works very well together with Mikola as like the speed option as your wide receiver four. I think that really fits well. It's just, you know, like it's basically you're going to have to like look at the offensive tackle depth chart and, you know, you're going to have to rely on Becton to play. You're going to have to think about having another guard there. So if you have to get AVT to tackle. So it's really just, you know, ju- you know, juggling the offensive line. And when you have an older quarterback, the offensive line might be a little more important than receiver. But no, you're not crazy at all to think that he's well worth the 13 overall pick. Yeah, look, I think, again, do I think that's the most likely option? No, I think it's pretty heavily tackle, um, potentially a trade back. But again, if those tackles are gone and the quarterbacks are gone, I, I just <laughs> I don't think anyone's coming up with a, with a hefty price to come up to 13. This is not the type of draft. It's almost a draft where a lot of people, if you're not in that market of tackle, uh, quarterback, tight end feels early uh, at 13. Then you know you're what are you who are you really trading up for? In my opinion, those cor- the corners are really good, but again, there's I don't know that there's such a big kind of drop off from really getting a guy you'd get at 13, the guy you get at 17, 18, 19, and a team you could trade up for. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just kind of get the feeling once you get past the Gonzalez's, the Witherspoons of the world, um, a lot of these guys kind of start to feel pretty similar as first round guys. You saw it last year with the Kyrie Elums, the um. Kyler Gordon's the like there's just there was that whole run on like oh this guy could go at 12 and then all of a sudden um you saw guys start to fall into the 20s and you know some people trade up some people trade down so we you know we see it happen every year is there a player in round one or two that maybe it's not of not one of the three tackles because it's kind of like all we're going to talk about probably over the next uh you know three or four weeks is there a player or prospect you kind of pound the table for that'd be your kind of gold star like take kind of best player available. He's available at 13 or 42 or 43. Is there a guy that you go, I'd pound the table for the Jets to draft this guy all day, every day. So I know like the sexy name on Jets Twitter is John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota. And like, everyone's like, Oh, the Jets got to take him. The Jets got to take him. He's the perfect scheme fit. Like there's like a, like Minnesota runs a variation of like, you know, wide zone and he's the guy, he's the guy. But um, a center I really like is Ohio State center Luke Whipler, who plays in this, like I said, a similar offense to what the Jets are going to be running. Is super athletic. Ohio State really weaponized their run game around, like, moving him in space and, like, just moving him around and getting him on the move. He's a really, really good run blocker. I think he's a solid pass blocker. The only, like, really, like, downside to him is his arms are a little short, but for centers, that really doesn't bother me. Like, if you watch the Super Bowl – and you watch Creed Humphrey versus Jason Kelsey and what those two centers do for their offenses, I really think Luke Whipler is going to be in a similar mold of just that really athletic center who can you can really like build your run game around. And if he's on the board at 42, 43, whatever second rounder they have, I have no problem punching in that card and locking up their you know center of the future because, frankly, the Jets need one. Yeah, look, I'm I'm on the same page. I think there's there's three or four guys, you know, on that interior offensive line that they could, you know, kind of go with. Obviously, you know, the ideal scenario is you have a veteran and you don't have to, you know, start that guy day one. But if you do, um, we've seen you know the Creed Humphreys of the world, uh, you know, kind of come in day one, be contributors on a on a you know team that goes deep in the playoffs and then is set on a you know on a very you know very cheap uh, cheap deal for the first uh, you know first obviously three or four years. I want to ask you quickly, I, I mentioned this earlier, there's been a lot of, no matter where you look on certain different mock drafts and, you know, by very highly respected people, a lot of tight ends mock to the Jets at either at 42, 43, some, I've seen a couple times at 13. 
what are we what are we doing here? Um, I'm just I'm a little lost at why this keeps getting mentioned. The Jets just restructured both their most expensive tight ends, uh, one of whom's coming off a pretty productive year, and I think has more you know juice left in, in Conklin. I think CJ Uzama is better than he was last year, but again, you know that's probably a one year deal. They also just drafted Jeremy Rucker. They're probably signing Mercedes Lewis. Why do we? I know this tight end class is good. Like, well, am I missing something here? Because I just feel like there's a lot of need at safety, linebacker, defensive tackle, offensive line, even receiver. And mocking the Jets consistently at tight end just feels like not doing any research. Well, I mean, this tight end class is very good. I would love to be able to take one of them because I do think there's some nice day two guys, you know, top of day three guys who could actually be impactful. And I am someone who's bullish on Jeremy Rucker and wants to see him play more than he did last year. But this really stems from the fact that a year ago, Joe Douglas completely misread the tight end market. And he gave CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin these three-year deals, which like haven't really aged well. And then, then he basically doubled down on them and restructured them to clear cap space. When there are other veterans you can restructure, they can make a lot of cap space. So they actually extend Quinn Williams, which I would advise them to do sooner rather than later. And we saw how the tight end market went this year, how like a Dalton Schultz, a guy, everyone on the jets, like every jets fan wanted the jets to sign last year. It was like, Oh, give him whatever he wants, give him whatever he wants. And he signs like a modest, like one year deal for $9 million with the Texans. You see a bunch of those, like, Hayden Hurst signed a nice modest deal with the Panthers that is just not in the same realm as like what Uzama and was Conklin got. And then you see a deeper tight end class and you realize that like the jets kind of misplayed their hand. And I think why they're getting mocked them is like, it's basically trying to see as like an overcorrection, but you know, the jets are in a win now window. They basically have what we think will be two years there in Rogers to, you know, win the Super Bowl, make the Super Bowl, make a deep playoff run. You know, that's what we're all hoping for. And they really don't have the luxury to spend one of those picks um, on a tight end that high because they really need to get better in the trenches right now. Yeah, look, I I just don't – I think there's just way too much other – way too many other either needs or way too many other um, you know, situations where tight end – like, look, if you told me on day three, a sixth or seventh round flyer, the Jets want to take a high upside – um, you know, impact athlete that could, you know, two years down the line after a year on the practice squad, essentially, um, or a year not really dressing. And then you know, the Jets can't, are not going to address five tight ends on game day. Uh, so unless once your guys start going down, these guys aren't going to play anyways. I think Rucker showed a lot last year uh, that he's a guy that, I, I mean, I loved him. He was my tight end too last year. If people remember, I, I'm probably was higher on him than anybody. And, you know, the Jets not only took him, but he looked good when he played. So, um, yeah, I just that to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. A couple quick more draft questions here. Running backs another position that you know the Jets are linked to Zeke. I, I don't know how real or not real that is. It felt kind of like Zeke's agent putting out flyers to teams that he thinks could contend. Obviously, he scored 16 touchdowns last year. If the Jets brought him in as a third down pass pro guy, that's you know short yardage. Great. If they don't, they don't. Um, that run that room feels a little, little light. I know. You know, in the scheme, you can kind of filter through backs and Donovan Knight maybe at six carries a game is a lot better than Donovan Knight at 20. And Brees Hall hopefully is back. And Michael Carter looks more like year one Michael Carter. All that could be true. Is it crazy to think the Jets on day three need to maybe pick up a running back here? Um, there's a, there's a, you know, there's always a bunch of guys in a class you can, you know, find a burner or find a short yardage guy. Am I crazy that, you know, day three running backs not out of the question? 
I mean, I'm I'm a person of the belief who would always just try to take a running back on day three to always just, you know, just have that room with as much depth as possible. I think one of the positions you see the most in the NFL that has like niggling injuries and sees the least amount of its starters play a full 17 game schedule is running back. And while I really want him to be healthy, I believe Brees when he says like I'm ahead of schedule, I'm ahead of schedule, but you know, Brees could very easily start this season on pup. He could very well not be himself to week seven. So I would like to see another guy add to that room because you know, I feel like it's, I would lean it's more wishful thinking to think Michael Carter is more year one than year two at this point, because like, you know, it's a, what have you done for me lately league? That's kind of how the NFL just goes. So I think they would definitely like try to take like maybe, maybe a bigger back. Cause I think they do need a little more like punch and a little more like someone with a little more red zone savvy to this group in like the fourth or fifth round. And I definitely don't think that's out of the question and something they should be looking to address. We know they were interested in Jamal Williams. So they are clearly looking to add to that room in one way or the other. I could not agree more there. One last draft question. Obviously they are not going to be taking quarterback at 13 amid, uh, amidst all the weird uh, mock drafts that came out this week that had the Jets still taking a quarterback at 13. Just don't see a way that's happening. This team again has too many holes. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And we obviously know Aaron Rodgers is not going to be developing another first-round quarterback. That said, there is a bunch of quarterbacks in this class that are uh, quite interesting on day three. Dorian Thompson Robinson, Stetson Bennett, amongst a million other names. Obviously, a lot of the guys that you know you guys talked about in draft season early throughout the year, a lot of those guys, they end up going back to school, Michael Penix, et cetera. Is there any of those day three quarterbacks, if you just had, you know, had to take a flyer in one of them. Is there anyone that you like in particular more than the others? You're like, hey, you know what? High upside. I'm down to, he could maybe be a bridge starter down the line. He could be Mike, uh, the next Mike White or something like that. Um, Not particularly. I mean, the guy I actually like and actually I think could be like an average starter is Tanner McKay, but I just think he's going to go before day three. Like I actually do think like there's a world where he's actually like pretty good, but no, not really, to be honest with you. Like Stetson Bennett, like, you know, it's like, oh, he's been doubted his whole, like, I'm pretty sure Stetson Bennett's older than me at this point. Hendon Hooker, I think, is older than me. And this day three quarterback class, there's no real, like, traits guy who hasn't really figured it out. Like, there's, like, Jake Hanner's a fun backup, but he's probably not going to be more than, like, Case Keenum, Brett Rippon at the next level. So uh, I don't think this is the draft and develop, like, draft for the Jets. Uh, in regards to the quarterback position, and I really just should just be Aaron Rodgers, and I hope they sign, like, a veteran backup just to, like, you know, just give him safe because Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, is, you know, going to be 40 years old at the in December, and you would just like someone more than Zach Wilson just to give you that insurance for a team that, you know, it's a win now. It's not really someone who can, like, throw a season away. Yeah, you know, A.J. McCarron is sitting out there balling in the XFL. And no, I'm not even kidding. Like, I would bring in A.J. McCarron in two seconds. Um, Dude, get Matt Ryan here. Let him hang out with Aaron for a year. I know. He seems to be chilling. He's, yeah, I mean, as a backup, I'm like a one-game spot. If your offensive line's good enough, sure. I mean, no, Matt Ryan wasn't good last year. But as a backup, um, you know, maybe he gets, you know, Zach Wilson's uh, head screwed on straight. Although, I will stick to it that. Zach Wilson will play every single snap of every single preseason game, specifically the Hall of Fame game, and almost every single snap after that, the Jets will trade him um, at some point during camp when someone else's starter gets hurt, and they take a flyer on Zach, who looks good in 
preseason the way he did two years ago because it's the preseason and he will be playing against second and you know second and third teamers it's you hope you it's know it's actually yeah. really funny when i think the the peak of zach was definitely preseason last year mm-hmm. i know exactly you make an argument with this. that the peak of darnold was that first drive under gaze against the giants where the offense just looked like freaking gangbusters with Chris Herndon and Jamison Crowder. So the Jet, I mean, this would be pretty par for the course. The Jets have a preseason like like studly quarterback play. So I'd be down for that. Yeah, look, I'm I'm all in on um, you know, recouping a, a conditional third round pick for Zach instead of a, a fifth round pick and shredding, you know, eleven million dollars on on the cap. Last question here before we uh before we wrap. Again, you know, we'll have this episode out with Meeks, you know, uh, up tonight. Tomorrow, John Dostromsky will be on uh, from the ringer. I'll be talking Jets, you know, mixing a little baseball, you know, talk about his bachelor party in Vegas a little bit. And then uh, and then Brett Coleman will be on Thursday, a potential fourth episode this week. So we're stacked with uh, stacked with pods. And obviously, if anything happens with the Aaron Rodgers trade, not likely because this is going to be painful. Um, you know, obviously, we'll come back on. But what needs what are the two things you would say most importantly need to happen for the Jets to be? in the AFC title game next year? Like, is there, are there two things to you in your mind that you're like, you know, it could be three, but is there two things that you're saying, you know, this guy needs to stay healthy or, you know, these, this player or something like that. What's what in your head means, you know, the jets get Rogers and, you know, everything's settled. Like what, what do they need to do? I guess what needs to break for them other than, you know, Patrick Mahomes, not being Patrick Mahomes. Uh, well, yeah, that's the thing about like Mahomes is like, you're probably like, if you get, if you get to the AC championship game, you're probably at Arrowhead since that's where it's been, I think the past five years. So yeah, that, you don't have to worry about Mahomes. It's really just about beating him at that point. But I would say the two biggest things for me is, and this is like, not that it's far fetched, but it's like, you know, we don't see it happen a lot is like the jets had a lot of really good, like health luck on the defensive side of the ball. Not really so much on the offensive side of the ball and getting like, similar like amount of games played from a sauce Gardner, from DJ Reed, from Quinn and Williams and CJ Mosley, I think goes a long way to having the defense not really like have a lot of variance and stay close to the unit. It was last year. And another thing would be is to get multiple impact rookies, like guys who can actually play and are giving you like average to above average snaps from like week eight on um, at some point during the season. I think those are the two big things that would really go like far for the jets. If you're going to try to paint like the hall of fame quarterback in new scenario, like, you know, like make the Tom Brady, Tampa 2020 parallels. That Bucks team was good. That Bucks team was really healthy that year. And Tristan worse and Antoine Winfield played at a really high level as rookies. And I think the jets going to need something similar to that effect, like Christian Worse was, I think, like nearly an all pro. Like, doesn't be quite that level, but like, those are the two things the Jets really need to work on is health on the defensive side of the ball and rookies that can make an impact. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I'm going to get into obviously more, uh, more in depth, more in depth on that. It's very unlikely, but the caveat is the third one that you, you know, I think, you know, we can all mention that if it happens, it's very unlikely. But if they get Mackay Becton of his rookie year, the ceiling of this offensive line, the ceiling of this offense changes dramatically. Um, if you're getting that level of play out of him and AVT, and you know, if you can get Becton healthy at least most of the year, and you get Lincoln Tomlinson looking like the Lincoln Tomlinson that's the majority of his career, which has been at least an average or above average guard, 
you're in a much better spot. Now you're working with an offensive line that's expensive, but actually good. And it just changes the dynamic, you know, totally on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, that's something, those are two things that kind of under the radar. I know we talk a lot, everyone talks a lot about Beckton's health. Hopefully he, you know, stays healthy. Him being at his, you know, real weight, I think is going to be huge. But can you get Lakin Tomlinson back to playing at a $10 million level, at least at, at left guard? Um, you know, that would be, that would be obviously incredibly productive. And then you mentioned the defensive side of, you know, health on defense side of the ball. Can you get a mix of at least, can you get Carl Lawson from 2020 mixed with, you know, mixed with another year of healthy Bryce off and Quinn and that type of stuff? Because if you're getting Carl Lawson last year, that's fine. Can you get Carl Lawson of the, you know, the high, high, high pressure rate guy that's like a top five pressure guy in the league, not, you know, the guy that's solid and, you know, had some nice moments, but didn't really take advantage too much of backup offensive linemen and backup quarterbacks. So we'll get more into that again, as I mentioned about pods. Tonight, tomorrow, Thursday, um, and potentially a, a fourth episode. Uh, but make sure you follow Meigs on Twitter. He's got a lot of stuff that'll be coming out with the draft guide for Badlands. Um, you know, working heavily with Dan and Connor. Um, you know, and the boys doing that. Um, anything else, Meigs? I uh, did I forget to plug any of uh, any other stuff again. Make sure no, you follow you on got Twitter. It all the draft guide drops April seventeenth. Make sure you sub to Badlands to download that. Uh, me, Connor, Greg, and Dan have really been working hard on all that, and just hope everyone loves it. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks everybody for listening.